Hello, everyone. Welcome back. You are listening to The InDesigner, the podcast that provides information, instruction, and insight to designers using Adobe InDesign. This is episode 10. I guess that's a pretty good benchmark. We're out of the single digits and moving forward. Uh, it's also a little bit of a different approach for me. I usually script these shows out very deliberately, but this week uh, I have a... I don't specifically have a uh, start-to-finish process that I'm trying to teach you. More of a series of smaller things I want to discuss. And because it's not really procedural, I'm just sort of following an outline um, rather than being locked into a word-for-word script. So hopefully I won't pause and hesitate too much, go off on too many tangents, and I'll keep you on target. We'll see how it goes. Last week I mentioned that a a 528-page issue of the magazine I work for had just gone to the printer. I also said it was the first time that I had done this project, which is a -a once-a-year thing, entirely in InDesign. And I had spent the year learning every way possible that InDesign could help me pull it off. Just to wrap that topic up, I made a little comparison with last year's issue, which was 40 pages smaller and went kind of badly to this year, which was bigger and went as smoothly as a project that size could possibly go. So here's my final update on this project, because I don't want to sound like I'm singing my own praises. That's not the point. It's just that this experience illustrates the payoff of switching to InDesign and fully taking advantage of its features. Last year, on February 1st, the last page of a 488-page issue was designed and sent to the printer. This year, on February 1st, the entire 528-page magazine had been designed, sent to the printer, gone through pre-press, proofed, revised wherever necessary, approved in its entirety, printed, bound, and trimmed. That's easily a 10-day to 2-week time savings on a much larger, much better designed, and, knock wood, error-free issue. Couldn't we all benefit by gaining 10 days to 2 weeks in our schedules and our lives? That's kind of what I'm pushing for in this podcast. All right, but that's the end of that topic. Moving on. Uh, I hope I'm welcoming quite a few new listeners after doing some promotion of the podcast this week at the New York InDesign user group meeting. Scott Citron, who heads the group, was kind enough to make an announcement about the show and give me a chance to tell people about it. And I got more than 100 business cards into the hands of people who were attending the meeting. So I hope some of those people are now joining us and hopefully inclined to go back and start listening to the earlier shows from the very beginning. And that's my segue into what this episode is about, learning how to learn InDesign. How do you learn this application? What's the best way? What resources are available? Where do you start? Do you take a class? Do you uh, buy a DVD? Buy a book? Hire an in-house consulting company? Do you do it on your own? Do you task someone in your group to do it and then cross-train others? There are a number of different approaches, and I don't think any of them is any more or less valid than any other, but certainly some of them are more or less expensive than others. Uh, For me, I've been doing this working as a graphic designer for about 18 years now. But aside from graduating FIT as an advertising design major, I have no formal education in any of this software. Never have. Uh, They had drafting tables when I went to school, no Macs. I had been working in a small studio for a year or two before getting put down in front of a Mac, left to figure it out, and uh, try to save the studio time and money. 
And in a way, even though I've changed jobs several times since then, I've been doing that job ever since. I go in, I'm left to my own devices, I know what the end result needs to be, and I just have to figure it out. And uh, nobody ever seems to want to pay for that learning curve. Uh, I, you know, no classes, no nothing. So this isn't meant to be boastful in any way. I, I just want to talk about learning InDesign from my experience. I started in PageMaker, switched to Quark, picked up Illustrator and Photoshop along the way, and just had to figure it out on my own. And I've added to that knowledge over many, many years. But I think I can talk more universally about learning InDesign because it's the one application that I actively pursued. I championed making the switch in my company. I went out of my way from the very first time I saw a demo to continue to follow InDesign's progress, to attend every free demo I could, and emphasis here on free because these free resources are out there. Let's face it, Adobe wants people to buy their product. They want a community of users, so they're out there evangelizing their products. So look into, look out for opportunities. Sign up for emails from Adobe. Uh, check their website for upcoming events. Find a free demo or a seminar. Uh, Apple stores around the country host free training events. That's where I first saw the Creative Suite unveiled. If you're going to a design conference or other industry trade show, find Adobe people there. Um, see what their schedule is. See if they're showcasing InDesign and make the time to listen. If there's an InDesign user group anywhere near you, uh, anywhere near enough for you to get to, you're doing yourself a huge disservice if you don't make every effort to attend. If they're anywhere near as good as what they do here in New York, it will be an invaluable resource for learning things large and small and keeping up to date on changes in the application and third-party support for it. I do this podcast, I know InDesign, I think, very well, but I never walk out of those meetings without having a few things jotted down in my notebook that I didn't know or had forgotten or knew a little but didn't understand the full potential of. Go to InDesignUserGroup.com and try to find a local chapter. There are only a dozen or so in the U.S., but if you're near any of those cities, you have really have no excuse not to go. Uh, what about some other free resources? There's Adobe itself. Studio.adobe.com has hundreds of tips and tutorials related to all of their software products. There's also adobeforums.com, where there's a user forum for every product they make, including InDesign. Both of these are free, and as long as you have Internet access, there's nothing keeping you from them. And search the rest of the web itself. Um, there are lots of people out there giving valuable information about InDesign away for free. Podcasts are free. You're listening to this one. Uh, you know, I hope it's your favorite, but I know I'm not the only game in town. Uh, I listen to them all, uh, I, and not just because I don't want to repeat topics. I want to know what other people are saying. I want to hear other people's take on things. Because as soon as you start assuming that you know more than anyone else, you're immediately wrong. Learning never stops. Uh, so that's the free stuff, uh, at least some of it. Moving away from free, there's the low cost of entry training, uh, things like books or DVDs. Uh, I bought a couple of books, not too many, and none of them too thick. If I see a book about computer software that's upwards of 400 pages, I know I'm never going to use it. I'll flip through it somewhere between the bookstore and my house, maybe pick it up once or twice after that, but that's about it. I also find that a lot of the soup-to-nuts books don't let you hit the ground running. Uh, they're very linear and overly specific. Uh, one, of the, one of the ones I have bought is Terry White and Scott Kelby's InDesign CS CS2 Killer Tips, which is fantastic. Uh, if you know your way around the application, you know, you were good at Quark, but uh, learning InDesign, you're not as fast as you'd like to be, 
this book will reveal great keyboard shortcuts, little hidden features, easier ways to position and modify elements on the page, uh, deal with type, and so on. It's very concise, well-organized, and an entertaining read. Terry White is, uh, I, I've seen him speak. He's a very knowledgeable and funny speaker and presenter. He knows his stuff. If any sponsored event that Terry is doing about InDesign comes your way, you know, nag your boss or spend your own money and go. You'll have fun. You'll learn a lot. I'll put a link up to this book uh, where you can find it on Amazon on the InDesigner.com website. It's not a thick book. It's in full color. It's very brief, uh, to the point, and exactly what it says it's going to be in the, in the very funny introduction. Um, I think I said in episode one also that one of the, uh, or one of the earlier episodes, that InDesign Magazine is probably the best $60 a year you or your company can spend. It's a completely PDF publication. No print version exists. You subscribe online, receive email uh, notifying you when a new issue comes out, and you download it immediately. And it's entirely about InDesign, cover to cover. I think it's the absolute best resource out there. Honestly, it comes out, I believe, six times a year, $60 for the subscription, well worth it. You're actually getting off easy at that price. Uh, I've read things in InDesign magazine that have become relevant the second I read them for work that I was doing that very day. It's, it's just that useful and practical. Uh, you, can, uh, you can find them at uh, www.indesignmag.com. Also... Uh, Total Training has very well-produced and in-depth DVDs, but here your price tag is starting to go up a little bit. Your wallet will be additionally lightened if you go to the classroom instruction route or in-house training. Uh, I'm not saying that they're not valuable or worth the price. Everyone learns differently. Um, but I'm assuming that if you're downloading free podcasts, you're trying to learn as much as you can without making a big investment and trying to squeeze it into the tight time constraints that are an inescapable part of every designer's working life. So those are some of the methods I've used by reaching out to other sources to help me learn InDesign. But I think that as designers, um, we get our inspiration and motivation from within. We challenge ourselves to do better. Yes, we try to please our clients and our bosses, but we do it largely for our own sense of pride and accomplishment. I, I know I do. And, and for the desire to meet a challenge creatively. Since I'm trying to bring as much of my own experience into this as possible, I want to recommend a method for training yourself in InDesign by making yourself more willing to stick with it while simulta simultaneously taking all the pressure off of you. How does that sound? The long and the short of it is, if you really want to master this application, you've got to put in the time. If you want to be spoon-fed answers, you're only going to get so far until you need to be spoon-fed some more. So take it the, you need to take the time to explore on your own and learn. And here's a technique that I think will work for you because it, it's worked for me. Now telling you how this method came you know, to fruition for me requires me making a public confession of what a big geek I am. Uh, so here goes. I'm a huge Star Trek fan. There. Now you know. Uh, in, in 1989, when I was first learning Adobe Illustrator, Star Trek The Next Generation was a fairly new show, and I was taping all the episodes. Now, since I'm a designer and a geek and an anal retentive of sorts, a, a handwritten label for these videotapes just wasn't good enough. I wanted to use the show's logo. But to get it, I needed to create it. And that's how I taught myself Bezier curves in Illustrator. How I taught myself all of the basic drawing skills in Illustrator, in fact. Um... 
sometimes it was frustrating to figure out, but I stuck with it because it was something I wanted for myself. I essentially redrew that logo uh, with no experience in Illustrator and uh, learned a lot along the way. So this is my big secret technique. Do an ambitious, feature-rich InDesign project for yourself. Now, I don't mean a side job, a freelance project, even your own portfolio. Those automatically come with restrictions. If you run your own studio or own an agency, this project for yourself is not a collateral piece or a promotion for your business. A project for yourself is a project for yourself. Uh, whatever captures or holds your interest and that you enjoy, invent a job around it. If you take a lot of digital photos, create a photo diary with some narrative to go along with it. If you're a collector of things, design a booklet about it. Don't worry about publishing it. That's not the point. And it could be only, you know, 6, 8, 12 pages. But you want to include in it uh, certain features or cool things you've seen or heard or read about that InDesign can do. And use your interest in the subject matter to, uh, you know, help you stick to uh, learning what you need to learn. Odds are you're not going to get to play around with these things in your 9-to-5 job. You're, you're probably not. If you work for a company that produces catalogs, you're probably not going to get a chance, chance to design an interactive PDF with QuickTime movies, sound, buttons, and web links. But it's very cool if you've ever seen one in action, um, and they're not that hard to make. When I was training to take the Adobe Certified Expert exam, I used this method to deviate from the InDesign user guide. I find that following step-by-step -step instructions in a very dry and linear user guide doesn't work for me. I don't, I don't think that way, I don't work that way, and I think most people probably would agree uh, regarding themselves. I did refer to the user guide and the help file, but I used my own little mini-projects to encourage continued exploration of each of the features. So... If you play golf, design a project around golf. If you collect bobblehead dolls or tribal masks, design a project around that. Uh, build a family tree, whatever. Just make sure it takes advantage of a lot of the features you never get to do at your day job. Uh, down the line, they may very well become part of your day job. If you're doing it for someone else, you're probably not going to stay interested or follow through. It's not going to happen. But if it's about something you love, it'll keep your interest. You'll stick with it. And you know what? There's no deadline. There's no budgetary constraints. No client or boss breathing down your neck. All you have to do is put in the time wherever you can find it. And I know that finding the time is always difficult. But it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. A little bit of time you sacrifice to explore these features will ultimately pay off in time savings down the line and in your work every day. So it'll come back to you eventually and continue to pay off for you down the line. And if you've picked the right subject matter for your project, something you love, you'll have fun in the process with no, no outside pressure. So that's my advice on uh, paths to pursue to build your InDesign knowledge. Now, I know that over the course of this episode, I've pointed you in a lot of other directions than this podcast for information. So, but, you know, but I want you to keep coming back for more. Um, so just to whet your appetites, I want to work one quick time-saving example into this episode before I, before I wrap it up. A big part of the mission of this podcast is to reduce your time performing tasks to give you more time to be truly creative. And I want to illustrate a basic idea uh, that just using InDesign instead of Quark Express doesn't automatically save you the kind of time you can truly save. If you're working in InDesign the same way you worked in Express, you're missing out. You have to be willing to change your old habits, because if you choose to, you can work almost as inefficiently in InDesign as you did in Quark Express. 
Why would you choose to? The difference is you don't have to. Uh, here's what I mean. Let's say you have a placed Photoshop image in your InDesign layout and you want to edit it. If you follow the manual or other very linear instructions, you'd go to Window Links to open up the Links palette. Then you'd find the name of the image in the list, select it, and then choose Edit Original from the Flyout menu at the top of the palette. Not bad, it's pretty convenient, certainly easier than finding the original file on the hard drive by yourself, opening it, saving it, and then coming back to InDesign and updating the link. But it's three steps. Open the palette, select the image, choose Edit Original. What if you could do it in two steps? How about control-clicking, or right-clicking on the PC, the image itself, then selecting Edit Original from the contextual menu? You just did the exact same thing in one less step. But wait, there's more. Or should I say, fewer fewer steps. How about doing it in one step? Just double-click the image while holding down the Option key or the Alt key on the PC. That's the one-step equivalent of invoking the Edit Original command. One step. Option or Alt, double-click. So you can work just as inefficiently in InDesign as you always have, but why would you want to? That's the question I want everyone listening to ask themselves, and that's what I keep coming back each week to help you learn. So until next week then, this is Michael Murphy for the InDesigner Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>